This is the 911 Calls Podcast with the operator and his exact twin. Mine is being born and raised in Kentucky and his heroic military service and being born to a completely other mother, Kent Chungus. Somebody downtown Portland at Knife Point, and I'd just like to let you guys know that I did that, and I'm about to commit suicide. I'm standing on a ten-story high building. Oh, good guten tag, Kent. Yes. Yep. Welcome to nine another nine one one calls show. This is episode eighty-one. Um, no fanfare this time. Feels like three hundred. <laughs> And I've only been here for like four episodes. <laughs> it's because they're chock full of so much information and facts about things you didn't know you wanted to know about. Like, I didn't need to. <laughs> Not even for the calls. <laughs> I believe you're hearkening back to our Revolutionary War conversation. I'm hearkening back to every fucking 911 call episode you've ever made up. <laughs> oh, man. You're probably not alone in that, but the numbers don't lie, so I just keep doing it. <laughs> People are like, you know, I came for the, I came for the Revolutionary War talk, and then they do the non. I don't understand the nine one one call thing that they do on the end of every episode. It just doesn't feel because this is a history podcast, and then for whatever reason, they play a nine one one call at the end of it. So, what do you got to say about the Holocaust today? Uh, Nothing. Get right into this. Adolf Hitler, he's running. <laughs> I got nothing on that today. All those shoes. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, you know what? I've learned my lesson from the last episode. I've learned it for probably another one and a half episodes. So, you know, you'll get... you'll get. This is going to come back up. <laughs> <laughs> it will eventually. But I did have a question. So, roll through your memory, if you can, if you will. First... Number-wise, how many people do you know personally who have committed suicide? Oh, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't know, man. A lot. A lot of— Like, would you say over 10? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I know—I know just under 10, I would say. And what's surprising when I started thinking about it were how many of them um, committed suicide when they were very young— um, like in their teens. Yeah, and it's always over something stupid. Oh, yeah. Like that girl that you think. Yep. I remember the first time I got heartbroken. I was like 15, 16, and I thought, this is it. <laughs> this is the end of the world. Yep. I will never recover from this. And how stupid that seems, like looking back now and how funny it is, you know. Well, and think about that from a parent perspective because you know where you sit on it now. And so when your child goes through a heartbreak, unfortunately— we all will probably do the same thing that our parents did, which are like, oh, first love. You know, it's hard. You'll get through it. Anyway, go mow the lawn. You know, and so you're completely alone. You're bereft of really sound. they don't understand. Or they've been through it. so, And they know that it's going to happen eight times before you land on it. Yeah, the- that's, but that's the thing is they completely understand. Yeah. But for the kid, the 15, 14-year-old, they think that they don't understand. Exactly. You've never felt like this. Yes, their reality. And that's the thing also, I think it's hard. Sometimes we lose that as parents is 
Oh, I think we lose it as humans because we look at other people's situations and, and in some, in a lot of situations, we're like, man, you're over dramatic over something that's really not real. That's not real life. Yeah. But to them, it is, whether that's, you know, the real life that they're going through with their addiction or a teenage, you know, heartbreak or whatever. It's, it, sometimes it's hard to circle back and find that empathy that we had when we were, when we were younger going through the same thing. Uh, I was thinking about my, my friends, though, that, that had committed suicide and just the scenarios that played out on those. And the first one that comes to mind is, exact, is exactly what you were saying. Um, it was over a girl, and they broke up, and he was so sad. And he went under an overpass, like, you know, the angle that goes up to just right underneath the road. And he went up under the overpass, and he sat there, and he he had a letter from her in his pocket and he shot himself in the head with the 22 pistol, oh, which was a, that's the worst one to pick. Yeah. He, so he didn't, he died of blood loss. Um, yeah. And you couldn't see him up there. A jogger was jogging under the overpass and saw, I think, she, I think she saw the blood trickle actually and was like, what? And looked up and saw him. So, uh, so sad. So sad. I've, I have another friend of mine, his sister, was 13 and she was kind of in this goth community at the time and she had been talking about committing suicide and after she did which she did um they found like all of these messages from her friends like we're gonna miss you so much when you're gone you know like her friends knew that this was gonna happen and they and they just like didn't warn anybody and my friend kind of like a really less messed up version of that Michelle the one that is that girl's that girl that with her her boyfriend yeah the one that, that told like, him you to do it tonight yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah it was very warped and and they were all young and dumb and so obvious and there's really no crime committed by them because they were passive about her suicide but but yet you're like what's wrong with you people and so my my friend whose sister was the one that committed suicide Several years later, it just got to him too much, and he felt like he could have have stopped it, and his level of depression was so low. It was around Christmas time. He was away from home, living away from home, and uh, he took his own life. Um, I have a friend who who was dating a twin, one one of two twins, and uh, there was a snowmobile accident. He was drunk. Uh, ducked when he saw the barbed wire fence. She didn't because he didn't tell her. And he, you know, she died and he committed suicide later uh, because of, because of the weight of that. And all these things happened before anybody was like, I don't know, 17, maybe, you know, it seems to have happened a lot less in my life, at least as I've gotten older, like, like as people get older, the, the the frequency of of the suicides have become less. Obviously, the gravity of the reasons for those suicides has has increased. You know, as as people get older and then they they choose that path. But it's you know what the saddest part though about young like teenage suicides hmm. is if you could like resurrect them and then let them talk to a thirty five year old version of themselves that didn't do that and went on to have kids and everything, and then you'd like. Talk to them and you're like, you know, in another universe, you committed suicide 
because that girl broke up with you or whatever. And they would be like, what? Yeah. That is so ridiculous that I, that I would do that. Um, it's just, but all they're thinking at the time is in the moment. Yep. It's like, this will never get, and I remember, I never wanted to kill myself over a girl, but I remember that pain. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like nobody's ever felt like this before. Yeah. This hurts so much. Uh, and now looking back at how funny and how stupid and stupid and, and ridiculous that is, you know, you get good eventually after that first heartbreak at having your heart broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you become a little more resourceful. Like all of your eggs aren't in the basket. Uh, yeah, you know. Um, I, I think the one thing the one thing that I never had that uh, that I noticed other people had was I never had that friend group that like when I. When I went through a terrible breakup, they were like, let's pick you up. We're taking you on the night on the town, you know, uh, or the friends crying into a <laughs> diet, Dr. Pepper church Shoney's <laughs> Shoney's by myself, ready to go bowling again by myself. Uh, yeah. How do you know? White shirts with ties. <laughs> we got there on bicycles. You were reading my journals again. Oh boy! Well, um, so today I have, and look at this. I'm, but before, before oh, you, yeah. can, this isn't like a cry for help, is it? No, no. Okay, no. I will say this. You know what? I, I. This has been a very private matter. Do we need to talk no. after. <laughs> I just know that no, you know. We're good. You, all the signs are there. You did. You're you're making lavish purchases, <laughs> willy nilly. You spent one good. Uh, a good week with your family with no interruptions. I feel like you're kind of wrapping things up here. It's closure. <laughs> this is the episode. Did you have a moment where you pulled the kids aside in the woods? You're like, listen, daddy loves you. You know that. Yeah. I want you to remember that. And if something happens to me, wink, wink, it's going to when, I, when we get home. Yeah, I had that whole conversation with my wife. I'm like, you you think you get married again if I ever die? And she's like, I give you permission. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Now, um, By the way, the passwords to all the 1159 media stuff are written in a <laughs> Google Doc. Just in case. Just in case. Ha, ha, ha. Let's go have some smarts. Let's, let's have a good week. Let's not put a cloud over this because you guys are going to need this later. <laughs> um, well, okay. So, and I don't know how many people will be able to relate with this, but I've, I've gone through bouts of depression. I, I You know, you, you might have as well. Something really weird happened, though, about two months ago. Um, about, I'd say a half a month before anybody really knew that what was going to happen at 1159 with the split and everything, um, we had already started to kind of prepare how that was going to play out and everything. And I had the weirdest thing happen and I'm still trying to figure it out. And, uh, and it's not a hundred percent better, but like it took a mental, like it was, it was sort of like, a a mental two by four hit me in the head at one moment at some point in that, in that early part of two months ago. And when that happened, my body shut down. Um, like, uh, and, and to this day, I'm going to the doctor for this, but to this day, like right now, I feel like I'm barely above idle as far as energy goes. Like, I feel like I took NyQuil an hour and a half ago and I forgot to go to bed. But I feel like that all the time. And I can't... Yeah, I can relate to that. 
Can you? I don't know yeah. what it is. Like, I've had depression. And so I know what that feels like, that mysterious, like, you know, I've said it before, I think, like, driving down the road and, like, see a mailbox and feel like I want to cry. And I'm like, what? what's that about? You know, I've, I've had the mystery meet kind of emotions hit hit and and dwell and everything but this is this like physically affects affect affected me and i haven't been able to spin out of it and even in the mountains like i i would I, I was exhausted all the time weird things so i'm exhausted i can't i i could nap anywhere you could put me under a train and i could fall asleep um but for some reason now when i go i'm i'm always exhausted but when i go and lay down my brain won't turn off and I can't fall asleep. So I, I can't nap during the day. So I'm wiped out, can't nap. And then I go to bed at night and most of the time I can get to sleep, but I wake up at like 5 a.m. My brain just turns on at 5 a.m. And I'm exhausted. <laughs> like yeah. I can't figure it out. I know that. So I'm going to the doctor. Um, I'm sure there's a couple things going on, but it was like, I don't know. I've never had that happen where, where an experience in life triggers like a, a cat. What was the, uh, and you don't have to answer yeah. this if you don't want to. What was the experience? Just the, I, this. Okay. I'll tell you what it was. So it, it was a factor of the split with Jack right. um, at 11:59. But what it was for me is uh, ever since I was a little kid, um, I always felt comforted when I knew that I had planned, prepared, saved, that I was financially all right. Even when I was a little kid, like I remember when I would mow lawns, when that, when my lawn mowing money would get down low and I didn't have prospect of another lawn to mow, I remember it, it affected me emotionally. And I, I would kind of go into this little like cave in my brain and be like, okay, how am I going to survive? And I don't know what that was. I mean, we weren't poor as people, growing up when I mean, we weren't loaded either but there was some space camp didn't you <laughs> <laughs> one time one time can't <laughs> no so so when when the whole thing happened at 11:59 i sat here and someone's at my someone's front who's at the door? door someone's at the front door i don't know can you see a picture of them let's see oh uh, it's a little tiny child i'm going to ignore it are there from Bean Bean? Yeah, probably Bean Bean. Can Bean Bean play? Um, so, so when this all happened, and then we made the announcement. The moment we made the announcement, I watched. This is maybe this is going to sound petty to people, but I watched our Patreon numbers hemorrhage. Like I just watched that number go down, 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 and I realized yeah, it was very exciting. It was exciting times, like you said. And we kind of predicted some, but for some reason, just seeing it happen affected me emotionally. But you knew it was going to. I, I know. I mean, I knew it was going to. And honestly, we didn't even lose as many as I thought we were going to. And I, and I thought I'd always have another lawn mowing job. But for some reason in my brain, this time it just switched me off. I don't know. I don't. And I haven't been able to recover. Like, so physically, I, I took a hit and and I'm still trying to figure it out. But I'm figuring it out. But anyway... Uh, I also, I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I, for the first time in my life, my brain, little gears in my brain in the back were, were, were spinning about checking out of this mortal coil. I'm too smart to kill myself. Like I've always told myself, you know, too much, you, 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 
it, it, it's 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 a cowardly way out. It's it's cheap. It hurts everybody. There's no there's no peace in it or anything. But it still didn't stop this these little gears in my brain from going through something having to do with. I don't even want to say the word suicide, but does that make sense? Like, like I'm staring at myself going, there's no way you would have thoughts of killing yourself. But I was, but I what? but I was, and it was like this other part of my brain that was like running this little tiny motor that was like, hey, you know, yeah, kind of peace and quiet. If you do that. Me and you have talked about this before, uh, off, not recording, just talking as me and you. Yeah. And it's the seed. That is scary. Yes. Because when that seed starts growing, that's when you get in trouble. Yeah. And I had that seed grow for me at one point. I've talked about it before. And um, it's the, the, the first domino, you know, and not getting that first. Because uh, sometimes, I don't know about you, but that thought will cross my mind. Well, what if you killed yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Uh, and then you're like, you got to push that out. Don't even let it start, like, festering. You know what I mean? Like, because I feel like that's, for me, the scariest part is the first little drop. Yeah. And that's how I, I feel like it, that's how it always starts with everybody that ends up doing it. Right. Is like the drop. It starts with a little seed. Like, well, I could just kill myself. I've never had... Of an experience before where it was like somebody else was telling me, you know, I know it was my brain, but it felt foreign. It felt, it felt like wasn't me, you know? And so me, my, the meanness in my brain was fighting against this stupid, stupid radio station that had switched on in like a back corner. You're a contrarian. Yeah. It was so crazy. Ugh. Anyway. (laughs) This call is about, it's not actually not about suicide at all. No, this one's about the revolution. Are you sure you're not going to kill yourself after we get done recording this? I won't, I won't. It feels like this is your goodbye episode. Swan song. Are we going to play Vitamin C's Graduation as we go on? That song? Yes. We remember. Yeah, I don't have that one on cue. I've got some Sarah McLaughlin that I'm going to crank out here in a minute. In the arms of <laughs> uh, but God, that song makes me want to kill myself. Really? Yeah. That's the seed. Yeah, that's the seed right there. <laughs> Not for because a lot it's of a people. great song. It's just so depressing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and they've used in it for so many like... cold hotel room. <laughs> it just feels so. Ugh. Empty and cold and lonely. <laughs> the first time, the first time, and then the next thousand times I heard that song, for some reason, timing wise, I was living in Colorado and I lived about uh, two miles from Columbine when Columbine happened. I was at, a, I was at the Art Institute and um, where I was living. So I'm glued to the TV because Columbine footage, all the news and everything, it was for days. But for some reason, the ad people had also packed it full of PETA ads, like with Sarah McLaughlin's 
music. So it's, you know, saving animals. It was either Sarah McLaughlin singing in my ear or watching footage from, you know, the Columbine massacre. And, it was and the- it's kind of funny because <laughs> the song is about drug addiction. And I've never seen a German shepherd with a needle in its arm in a hotel room. Exactly. The song is about drug addiction. <laughs> not about not not about animals. Rabbits that aren't fed well. <laughs> it's true. For some reason, I, I like I, even as I'm giggling about all this, like the the subject matter and everything in my head, I'm like, stop giggling. This isn't funny. No, you're fine. This is how you get through it. Yeah, laughing. I think so. Got to take all that stuff that you were just talking about, uh, and you got to wad it up into a ball and push it like way down inside <laughs> you and don't ever bring it up again. I am glad you're my friend. I love you so much. Don't uh, ever talk to me about it ever again. Oh, <laughs> uh, but you're not Here's the funny thing is um the mo- the majority of the swath of society doesn't know how to handle it. When you know someone, I'm kidding. I do. I do. I know. I know you and I know you love me and and I know that I'm in good hands. I'm in the arms of the angels. Um but I did also find out that, you know, uh it's this uh, the topic of suicide even when it's brought up in a cautious way um a lot most people don't know how to process it. They don't know what to yeah. do with it. They don't know how to, you know, they just don't know what to do if 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 it seems like it's a serious conversation at all. Um Everybody seems to, it brings out new stripes in people. Some people panic. Some people get overly worried. Some people just don't know what to do and literally walk away like, wow, bye. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it's interesting. Anyway, so, so believe it or not, I'm actually. But you're in a better place now, right? I am. I am. Physically, I still haven't figured that out because I've. Still- so the physical thing that you're talking about, I relate to 100% because I'm going through that right now as well. Ah, I'm tired. Oh, it doesn't matter how long I sleep. Yeah. I wake up and all I wanted, it takes everything in me to get out and get a cup of coffee. Yes. Cause, and, and then research TCK or show up for 911 calls because I just want to go back to bed. I just want to go to sleep again. I, it feels like, but I don't have the issue where I can't sleep. Yeah. I have the issue where I can't sleep enough. Okay. Well, I'm there. And this is just like two months. I've been going through this for about a month and a half, two months. Now, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the same thing. Maybe maybe I ruined both of us. <laughs> I just got to push harder. Yeah. Like down. I got to <laughs> shove it down all the way into my feet. Like Littlefoot says. <laughs> Back that stuff. Not pushing hard enough. Yeah. Let's work on suppressing our emotions and uh, we'll circle back on another. I think that's best. I do too. I feel like that's what a doctor would. Let's not ever talk about no. it ever again. Seemed weird. I f- it felt uncomfortable. It felt ugly to talk about. Yeah, you're it. making me uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't know about it. I don't like it. I don't want to do that. Ugh. Hey, guess what? And though? if you, I'll joke aside though. If you ever do have suicidal thoughts, and you know, I just want you to know, as a friend, that somebody is there to listen to you. And I'll give you my wife's number, or <laughs> talk to your wife. Don't swear and call me. I won't. I promise. I promise, buddy. I won't. Because <laughs> you'll be like, hey, I want to kill myself. And I'll just be like, me too. <laughs> What's stopping us? Actually, I need to tell everybody. So when I brought this up to you, I was pretty cautious, as you can recall. Yeah. I was cautious because it, it it's it was definitely foreign for me to even open my mouth and utter the words that those kind of thoughts would have 
ever come into my brain. But I have to tell people, you are the right friend to tell about this because when I did, you and I were on the tail end of probably three or four hours worth of recording. We were both on our lips. Yeah. And I said what I said. And then you said, hey, I've got from now until forever if you want to talk about this. And I, I want to tell yeah. you that I appreciate it. Yes. And I, I needed to hear that even though our conversation was, you know, it was as long as it needed to be that that's the right way. Cause no one knows what to say necessarily when somebody opens their mouth. About you don't need that. to, you, when in that situation, you don't, you need to worry less about saying and more about listening. So, um, it's barracks humor. Yeah. You know, what I'm doing. Uh, it's, of course I'm kidding. You know, <laughs> yeah. you could call me at three in the morning if you wanted to talk and I'd get up and I'd be grouchy. <laughs> but that's what, probably what I need. Let's talk. Let's, I'll talk <laughs> to you all morning and all day and into the night if that's what makes you feel better. I appreciate it. And I know that. I know that. And likewise for you as well. Um, I'm not calling you because I swear <laughs> it in like a man. <laughs> But I, but I can call you, and you'll at least redirect you can call me, me to, yeah. to a trusted your mother. <laughs> yeah, I'll call you at three a.m. and you'll give me a list of people that I should try first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, that sucks. Here's a number. I just googled this. Exactly. If uh, you're still alive by noon, <laughs> call me. Call me. <laughs> well, the funny thing, not the funny thing. The thing is about this is that. Uh, you hope that everyone that goes through something like this has somebody to talk about, talk to. Uh, but that's just not the case. It's not reality. Um, and believe it or not, this whole conversation we've been having right now is actually 100% on point. I can't even believe it for this call. So I'm going to roll into this. This is uh, this one will jo drop your jaw. This one will. Um, because of a 12-gauge round or... <laughs> Maybe, maybe not. Uh, this call starts at 3.17 a.m. from atop a parking garage in Portland, Oregon, back in 2012. And uh, there's several parts to this, so let's get started. And um, Portland. Yeah, yeah. He got a bad tofu sandwich, <laughs> didn't he? <laughs> They're killing the chickens. Yes, for light avocado on his avocado toast. The white guy with dreads, 100%. <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's get into this, um, and you can you can, you can can tell me what you think as we go, because um, okay. we'll be starting and stopping as we go. But here's part one. You ready for me to hit play? Mm. All right, here we go. Uh. <laughs> How's it going? Um... I uh, robbed somebody downtown Portland at Knife Point, and I was just like to let you guys know that I did that, and I'm um, about to commit suicide. I'm standing on a 10-story high building. Okay, where at? Um, I don't want to release that information. I just would like to let you guys know that... Okay, there's you're any... not going to tell me where you are and why are you calling me? Um, because I'd like to let you guys know that um, I committed a robbery, and I would, uh, you guys need to clean my body up here soon. Okay, what's your name? Uh, Brad Morgan. Is there anybody we should call to let them know? Um, I'd like you to contact Karina Bartley, but, you know, it, it's up to you guys. Okay, do you have a phone number for this person? Um, she ain't going to answer the phone. I've been trying to contact her. 
And who's this person to you? Um, she's my ex-girlfriend. Okay, how long ago did she become your ex-girlfriend? Um, about three weeks ago. Okay, and you're going to jump off the building because of that or because of some other reason? Um, I've gotten myself into a lot of trouble lately, and uh, my girlfriend took my son from me and denies my visiting time. I tried going to the courts and working things out. Um, my life is just shitty anyways, so I feel that I no longer need to live. Okay. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, That's so I'll, I'll, I'll just out of the gate. Yeah. I'll say this operator didn't really handle this with white gloves. <laughs> Yeah, she was. She's coming out. And after you kill yourself, who do you want me to call? <laughs> What's the number for that? So, as soon as so, I've listened. I've obviously, I've had to listen to this call play out a couple times. And you're going to find something very interesting as we go. Um, but having listened to it a couple times and going back and listening to the beginning of this call again. I, I'm going to preface this with somehow this dispatcher knew exactly how to talk to this guy. Like, I agree with you. Like, like there are certain people that are going to be jumpers that they call and they get this lady. And she's like, why are you calling me if you're not, what? what, what? They'd be like, bye. Yeah, she's already got his number. Yeah. And I don't mean like his phone number. She already sees through. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's not going to jump. No, and for some reason, you know, and, and I, th- man, it's just like thinking on the fly. So a little bit of backstory on this. This dispatcher in particular had just received new training from the sheriff's department on how to handle a potential suicide. Uh, double down. <laughs> boy, but you think. I know that you're saying she knows that he's not going to do it. Uh, but for me personally, if I was on that end just to be on the safe side <laughs> and maybe not end up as the defendant. Right. <laughs> I'll be like, you got to take them seriously. You got to, you got to get a little more bedside manner going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah, if I'm her and I'm hearing this guy, Oh, you just robbed somebody at knife point. Yeah. Right. It's the most white crime ever. <laughs> Your life is over. Oh, uh, here's, here's the interesting thing about that is uh, just as we've started this out, you know, he said what he said. Um, in a way, there's a bit of information here that that lets you know that the conversation can continue. And I couple it sort of with that old mind hunter trick that says the guiltiest person always has too much detail in their story. You know, yeah. like, you know, you're dealing with someone who is guilty if they know they're like, and the light was had been yellow for seven seconds when I. Before I hit that person, you know, yeah, they, they know landed t- right next to the guar poster. <laughs> they know way too much. Um, and so in this case, uh, he he's given a bit of information, but he's he's be- he's become a little bit eloquent about what he's doing. He's still reticent to give his location and whatnot. But you notice that little tiny crack when she he says that. Uh, about his ex-girlfriend of three weeks. And she says, well, sorry, you're going to kill yourself because of that or something else. And then he actually starts talking. So let's listen to the next part. This guy's just wanting somebody to talk to. Maybe. Wanting to kill himself. Maybe. And, you know, I guess that that's the, uh, 
I guess that's the hope of why we have hotlines and everything. <clears throat> I'm going to say it a couple times during this episode, but did you know that there's actually a three, a three number number for calling or even texting suicide uh, crisis lifeline? No, what is it? 988. So if you call 988, that's a suicide crisis lifeline. If you, if you text 988, you can send them a text and they'll, they respond right away. So you put in the phone number as 988 and then your message. Hi, I'm so-and-so and I'm thinking these thoughts and send. And you get a response. If you also Google suicide hotline, just in Google, 988 comes up and there's a button there that you can call. There's a button to chat right there. And the world opens up to you as far as people to communicate. So anyway, I'm gonna, I'll mention that a couple times as we go through. 988. But uh, let's listen to, because this guy, guy did not call 988. He called 911, which once again, to your point, uh, he needs somebody to talk to, seems like. You ready for me to hit play? No. <laughs> You're going to anyway. Yeah, I'm going. Here we go. And that's your final decision. There's no way I can talk you out of that. No, I just would like to let you guys know that you know, just for a heads up, what's going on. Okay, tell me her name again. I didn't write it down quickly enough. Korea Bartley. What is her phone number? Um, correct. This is the ex-girlfriend. Is the mother of your child? Yeah. How old's your child? Um, he's eight months old. It seems uh, it's too bad that you're not going to get to see him and talk to him when he's older, don't you think? Um, after I'd be in jail, if, if I would have passed him anyway, so... Don't you think he'd still prefer you were alive? So he has a dad? Um, he probably would, but, you know, I'm thinking past that right now, I just, you know... Okay, how'd you get up to the building there? Did you walk or did you drive? Um, I don't have a vehicle, so I walk. Okay. And you're just on top of, like, a, somebody's business or a parking structure or what? Um, I'm on top of a 10-story building. Okay, right. Like a parking structure or, like, somebody's business or, or what kind of building are we talking about? Um, it's a parking structure, and I've got a visual view of, uh, Pioneer Square. Why don't you talk to me just a little bit longer before you do anything you can't take back? Yeah, I know I can't take it back once I do it, and you know I really, I really am debating on doing it or not. But I, I my criminal background, nobody believes my side of the story. Um, I, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to give you a really great deal. Are you ready for this? What? This is a one-time only deal, and only from me. I will believe everything you tell me on this phone call. Everything. Yeah, my word. Okay, so talk to somebody who is prepared to believe you. Tell me your side. Um, first off, um, the reason why my girlfriend broke up with me is because we got into a little argument. Um, she told the police officer that I um, hung up the phone while she was trying to make a police report, and that's why I got arrested. Um, I got in jail for four days and um, got a restraining order for, while I was in there. Wait, was, that, was that a long time ago? Or? No, just recently. Okay. And the cop didn't believe me, because of my record. 
Okay. And that's why I went to jail. Well, if that's what she said, you tell me what really happened. Tell me your side. Um, I was trying to leave with my son. Um, she took my son from me, so I took him back and pushed her away from the door because she was trying to hold me in our apartment. Not, not like, shoved her, but, like, put my hand on the doorknob and, like, elbowed her away a little bit. And then I started proceeding down to the max to get on the max to go see my parents. And uh, she flagged down a sheriff that was driving by just so happened, and she gave him her side of the story, and I gave him mine. And the only reason he arrested me is because I, I hung up the phone on the police call. I understand that was a bad thing at the time, but it got me arrested and made it so I couldn't see my son even longer than, than I, I was supposed to, you know? And, I, yeah. and then, um... After that, my girlfriend says, you can call and talk to your son, and then when I call and talk to my son, she calls the police and says, I'm contacting her, and now they want to arrest me for that. Okay, was there like a no contact order or something, or? Yes. Okay. And on top of that, I was supposed to get... And then she called the police when you did? Yeah? Yes. Okay. (sighs) Okay. In, I'm inhaling after every call in my asthmatic <laughs> inhale. All right. I just had like the, I was giggling uncontrollably because I had this thought come into my head that what if this operator, she said, okay, I'm going to give you a one-time offer. I'm going to believe everything you say from here on out. And then she just goes, Ugh. she just like shuts the head, like just really does believe. And then he we don't know it is a is a QAnon, <laughs> and he just Hillary's a lizard <laughs> and she believes everything he says, and she, he converts this woman <laughs> to this fanatical. It's not even about suicide. He's like, oh, I got a shot here to convert one. She's like, I'll meet you in the streets, and then she leaves this call as a QAnon. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a twist where I'm like, oh, we start talking about suicide, then I do this, and then it totally flips, and it's like, yeah, it's a QAnon conversion story. <laughs> like, And that's also the happy ending. <laughs> that's why you don't let your facilities down. Always keep your guard up. Just That's how it happens. One minute you're taking a suicide car call, the next minute you're on the QAnon boards. Storming the Capitol. Talking about how the Bidens children's, drink children's blood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. She said the right thing for this guy, right? And you could hear his breath. You could hear him take that exhale that that at least bought her and whoever else a little bit of time here. You can also hear that he's not going to do it, though. Yeah, he 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 seems reticent because he's willing to talk, right? Um, yeah. Also, he called 911. So, you know, there are a couple signs, signs here. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting— listening to him talk about what's wrong and um I'll tread lightly on this but we all know, we all know somebody like this where they just seem to keep running into trouble but they're yeah, nothing's their fault yeah but they're causing the trouble yeah you know what i mean yeah you know he's been in court he's been you know through through this and that with his i think that's narcissism yeah I also want like I remember watching one of those like um like a discovery channel prison shows you know the real life it's like a camera inside a prison and and they're talking to people and there's always that guy that's like doing another 12 years 
And when they talk to him, um, he hasn't seemed to learn his lesson at all. Like, like he could literally get out and repeat the same history like the same day. And, yeah. and and doesn't doesn't seem doesn't seem to to see the walls that he keeps bumping into. I'm starting with this call to get the impression that that's this kid, you know, like he he just keeps bumping into the same walls and can't figure it out and it's not his fault. Never is. Never is. And I come from a family of uh people that maybe sometimes aren't on the right side of the door. Uh <laughs> In, a, in the prison system. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like, well, Randy, what? You just got out of prison. Like, what? Well, you know, I was driving without a, they got me. They got Wasn't me. Wasn't doing nothing, driving on a suspended license, and I, they found the heroin in the, it's like, well, Randy, <laughs> don't put heroin in the glove box, and also, you're not allowed to drive. <laughs> they weren't picking on you. You keep doing stupid shit, Randy. Yeah. Yeah, but to them, it just seems like they're living life. You know, like they're just... <sighs> we all have to abide by these rules. It's not just you. They're not picking on... I'm also, Randy, not allowed to drive on a suspended license with heroin in my glove box. <laughs> it's not just you, Randy. It's not just... They're not picking on you. <laughs> it's not just you that's having to follow these bullshit rules. It, it is interesting, too. Like, if you were to span the United States and and do a big, giant tour of big towns, small towns, uh, big, mental, big city mentality, small town mentality, it's interesting to see just how people have perspectives on laws and uh, law enforcement, you know, and the, the diversity of opinion there. And this kid's already bumped into enough walls. He he he's had his experiences with the court system and and well, uh, to, and to your point there, all the more reason to follow the rules because now you have a target on your head. Like if they arrested you three years ago because you had three pounds of heroin yeah. in your trunk, if they see you again, probably going to pull you over. Yeah. Right. You're absolutely right in that I have police friends where they know the the first they're on first name basis with some people in the city, in the town. You know, they they know that they're always going to find Jeanette, you know, out on the yeah, sidewalk. So get your shit together, Jeanette. <laughs> it's pretty predictable. They, they've got your number, baby. <laughs> it's true. But Jeanette just feels like they're out to get her. <laughs> you're not going to be able to lay. Laying low is done for. Yeah. That's done. Never again. Because they know where you're laying low, Jeanette. Yes. Because <laughs> you left a trail of clothing. All the more reason to follow the rules. By the way, not that hard to follow. <laughs> Uh, I will say this. I will say this. A, a lot of a lot of um, I've noticed that there are a good solid handful of illegal jobs that make a crap ton of money, and and I could see how once you're in that and and you become like you go you go work as a sandwich artist at Subway and you get really good at that. You can take pride in that, and you know that you've got some like lateral movement between sandwich places. You know you're like you're really good at it. If you become a really good drug dealer, yeah, other sandwich places they start headhunting you. Yeah, exactly. We yeah. saw your work. <laughs> we want you. The mayo disbursement. It was like even everybody it was like the same level of mayo. We've heard about you. You're the Italian club dawn of the of the sandwich world. Yeah. You you just have no understanding of reality, do you? Do you? <laughs> <laughs> but can you imagine like if 
I don't know, and maybe you even know somebody like this. I do. Someone who's been a drug dealer, yeah, and they 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 get used to making that kind of money, and they get used to the the machinations of, of it's the instant gratification, instant gratification. It's the controlling of others, because if you're any good at being a drug dealer, you control other people that are selling your drugs for you, and also you know you, you know your the demographic of your of your your sort your buyer um prostitution i think is very similar to that uh stripping not the not the stripping or or stripping by the way completely legal completely that's what i was about so to say so not even relevant to this conversation but i mean the money i mean the money you know it, that some of these things are hard to walk Nothing away wrong from with stripping no not at all it's noble but the money's good even if you were conflicted morally some of these things are really hard to walk away from especially you know you go get imprisoned because of XYZ, you you tripped up in your drug dealings. You're just smarter when you get out. You know, you'll just yeah. maybe do it again. Just do it smarter. So, and I don't know, you get in, I think I could see that you get in that lifestyle and it seems like everywhere you go, they're just after you or they're on you or. Well, they are. Because <laughs> you've kind of wrapped yourself in a candy coat. You've got heroin yeah. in the glove box. <laughs> yeah. It, and the problem I think is like. When they try to go to normal jobs, you know, go to like a factory or Wendy's or whatever it may be, suddenly you got to pay taxes. Yep. And suddenly the paycheck is biweekly. Yep. And now you've got you've got to handle this. Whereas like when you're selling drugs, it's like Mad Max. It's like, oh, I had zero dollars a minute ago and now I have two thousand dollars. Right. Well, and then you know. consider this also. You're in any but, of those. Uh, hold on. Yeah. We're all swearing. Paying taxes, though. <laughs> So Swear. fuck off with that. Right. Isn't it funny if, if you if you lead a lawless life, you don't end up paying taxes, and then we end up paying taxes to to help you to stay in your life. Because you're gonna yeah. end up in a prison where yeah. we pay for that. I don't like paying taxes. Hate taxes. <laughs> Hate them. Yeah, but I pay him. Consider that too, like, um, like the guy that just gets really good at dealing drugs. Um, he goes gets a job at a warehouse. Suddenly, he's got a whole new buying population. You know, wherever you go with some of these professions, you, you can find work. You can find side. You know, the the hustle. You can find the hustle. It's yeah. I could see it as very hard to to escape, especially if you spend any time getting in there and becoming institutionalized. Because as someone that worked in the in the the penal colony prison system, you know that in a lot of cases it's just as easy, if not easier, to procure illegal substances and stuff in jail than it is on the streets sometimes. Yeah, and on top of that, I've been a little hard on felons and convicts, but. In a hometown like where I was raised, a lot of people end up like that because there isn't anything else. I mean, there's not yeah. jobs. There's nothing. I mean, it's poor white Appalachia. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of trailers and it's a lot of apartments and it's a lot of people living paycheck to paycheck. And they're doing that because there's nowhere else. You're, oh, they could get a job at a factory in the next town. Okay, but you got to have a, a vehicle. Right. To get to, you got to be able to get to work. They don't even have that. So what they can get their hand on is pills, mm-hmm. and they can sell it to their neighbor, which requires no vehicle. And they start doing that at 15, 16 years old, and then you're just locked. This cycle of 
getting arrested, going to jail, getting out, not having any skills that mm-hmm. are useful, but even if you did, nowhere to use them. Right. Because you're in this podunk town where there's, you know, three stoplights <laughs> and nothing but meth and high school football. Yeah. And boredom other than that. And so that's and why boredom. your teen pregnancies are, are through the roof in a lot of small towns also. And, and I think it's funny. It's not funny. The hybridization that happens, the, the mixing of different vices and 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 these kind of illicit experiences, they're oftentimes traded amongst themselves. So you don't need cash necessarily to stay an addict. All you have to do is have no, a body. You need a hand. Yeah, you need a hand, or you need a or a mouth. <laughs> right. Exactly. So you know that these these all of these things are. are constantly kind of being traded and bartered um, doesn't get any better when you get institutionalized and you realize the whole thing is a barter, you know, because nobody's got cash. Everybody's got commissary. <laughs> so Yeah. And it's not as simple as me. Like I was saying, yeah, we all pay taxes. You get a job. It's not that. <laughs> no. It's not that simple no. to solve this. Um, but at the same time, it is frustrating when your Uncle Randy <laughs> Keeps getting caught with heroin in his glove box on a suspended license. God damn it, Randy. Come on. Like, we we gave you $500 last week to get you an apartment. You just bought heroin with it. <laughs> right. And I don't even know whose vehicle. Where'd you get the vehicle? It's like, oh, it, it was Cletus's. I had a hand, so I got a vehicle. Cletus doesn't have a license either. Why are you hanging around Cletus? <laughs> yeah. It makes sense to them, though. And, you know, when I say them, sometimes that them is us. You know, the way that we live our lives is... Always make you know. There's always a dot that's connecting the 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 things that we do, and they're like, and in this guy, this kid's case, he feels like he's always under the thumb, you know. Oh man, it's and, a and you know, I grew up in that town too, and we weren't wealthy. Yeah. Um. And but I just got luck. I just got lucky. I can various well. I, I know that there's a in in the multiverse, there is a dimension where I'm a I, I'm a drug addict, mm-hmm. and you know I'm. Strung out, and uh, and I'm in this same situation that I'm uh, like Randy. I'm the Randy. Yep. Well, I I totally agree with you. I know myself well enough. I know my addictive personalities well enough. It's not a multiverse that's multi multiverses away. It's like on the other side of the wall. It's one bad decision. Yeah, one bad decision. One time you're at a party, and I don't know how many times I said no to drugs mm-hmm. at parties growing up. It's that one time when you yell at your guard down, and you've had a little too much to drink. Yep, and you say yes, and then you fast forward ten years. And you're stuck in this exact same loop. It's interesting how many people I know where we've had conversations about where they felt like their life took that hard left or right, or they came to that fork in the road and they took the uh, one way. How many people can recognize sometimes the pivotal moment that they, where they made a decision and it, it, it was the first. Crumbled. Yeah. The first in many. Oh, man. All right. Well, I got more of this fun stuff. So let's. Yeah. This is a good time. Yeah. (laughs) It's a good thing to play calls like this when you're already in a fragile state. <laughs> I think this is very smart on your part. Uh, it, here's the thing. I listened to this call and I got like a sick to my stomach feeling when I first started. But the more I listen. Yeah, is this you? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it was a, are you standing on a parking garage? <laughs> I didn't tell you. I'm on a portable mic right now. And the wind's blowing in my hair. I can just smell diesel fumes. No, um. There was something cathartic about this call, though, as I listened to it. Um, so, anyway, there's more to it. Let's get into it. Here's uh, here's the next part. You ready for me to hit play? I'm so ready. Okay, here we go. 
And then, um... Basically, I, I, I don't know, I just... I feel like I no longer need to live, but she, she's putting me down every which way she can. Okay, well... My, I, have, I have nobody besides her. Well, hang on just a second, so... The initial going to no contact order, did that come from the judge after this hang up the phone incident? It came from the judge, um, yes, after the... Because yeah, that's the, a temporary thing for now. I mean, that's not an irrevocable, you're never going to see your son again thing. You just have well, to work through the system and ride it out for a little while. That's the problem. I've been going to the system my whole life and I'm tired of it. Most of the time it wasn't even my fault. And... I, I, I did done some bad things in my life, and I, and I feel that this is the consequence for it. Well, doing bad things, I mean, everybody does bad things, but what you need to do is grow, become better because of it. Not just end your life. That's kind of cheating, don't you think? I mean, you have to, you, you get to suffer the consequences of what you did. I mean, you know that. You're telling me that yourself. But but then you learn and you become a better man for it. You know, I appreciate the sweet talk. I, I really do. You know, it feels good to actually be able to talk to somebody funny. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not blowing smoke. I really believe that. Really. Everybody gets to suffer the consequences of what they do, but you get to be better. You get to choose to be better and do better. That's the problem. When I try to choose to be better and do better, it just crashes back down on me. Well, have you, you said you don't have anybody but her. Have you tried to get help? I mean, I assume there's some other thing. You said you've been working with the system for a long time, so I'm guessing. Well, like I said, I've, I've had a criminal background. And right. I'm going to go the wrong crowd. The wrong thing that I shouldn't have done. Okay, well, you admit that you took responsibility for making bad choices. Excellent. But you don't have to stay there forever. You're not stuck there forever. You get to choose to be different. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm choosing to finish it. Everybody dies. That doesn't make you different. You want to be a better man, not a dead man. Your son needs you to be a better man. I take back everything I said about this operator. She's a rock star, man. She is. This chick is a rock star. Steel cojones. Like, and the things that are coming out of her mouth are like for, I want to say universal, but for this guy, every time she stops talking, you can hear him breathe different. Like you can hear him kind of acquiesce. To what she's saying, and she's saying some hard stuff. Like, like, yeah. like she says, you know, you're you gotta you gotta own up to the consequences of what you've done, but that doesn't mean your life's over. You know, like, wow, some heavy hitting stuff she's bringing. Oh man, she is a she's a wizard. Yeah, and and to to think that she got that training just a just a little bit before. I don't know about you, but anytime I've received. Uh, training, like I've I've done sales. It's a PowerPoint. Yeah, and, and being able to internalize a PowerPoint and then yeah. send it out to the universe like this. This is like gender. I think this woman would have been like this PowerPoint or not. Yeah, because that's a, to convert a PowerPoint into that kind of speech. That's like a decade worth of work. You know. Yeah, this is a human trait. This is a trait. She's got it, and it's impressive. Um, okay, the next one, the next the next one got me a little bit. Um, and, uh, and I think it speaks to 
kind of the humanness of every, all of us, regardless of the age, when there's certain milestones that happen in our lives, it just rewires us. So let's... let's, Is this the same call? Yeah. Yeah. Does he jump? (laughs) I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. We're just going to listen. Because that would be fucked up, man, (laughs) if that's how you ended this call. And then we don't do a happy ending. No happy ending. Just play the music, roll it out. Yeah. She tried, though. She tried. She did a good job. She got a she got a badge. No. All right. She called his bluff, and he wasn't <laughs> bluffing. All right. Here's the next part. You ready? You know yeah, what? I don't know. One more thing I, I just wanted to say about that is um, you're going to – you might – I just want to prepare. You might hate this next part, um, but can you guess what's going to happen next? You know, I'll put it this way. You're going to hate this next part because guess what happens next? He kills himself, doesn't he? No, I'm going to play an ad. Oh. Uh, now I want to kill myself. <laughs> boom, boom, got to pay the bills. <laughs> All right, we're back. Okay, here's, here's part four in this uh, saga. All right, here we go. Well, the fact, the, the reason why I'm really mad is, is she is posting on Facebook and making it visible for me to see that she's basically with another guy. I feel the whole reason that she even did this whole ordeal was to get the domestic violence spirit. And now on top of that, I took care of my son the whole first eight months uh, last year. And, uh, and she's claiming him on their taxes. So I don't, you know, I don't even... <laughs> She's going to move into her own place. And yeah, it sounds like you're not exactly getting a fair deal there, I would agree. But um, just removing yourself from the equation, that doesn't hurt her, you know? You, I mean, I'm not recommending you stay alive so you can make her pay. That's not what I mean at all. What I mean is you're punishing yourself for crap she's doing. Don't do that. It's not, well, I feel that I was part of it. I'm not, yeah. I'm not blaming it all on her. Of course, you have done your share. Everybody, everybody agrees. It sounds like you've done your share, but you don't, you don't have to stay there. You don't have to, you don't have to keep making choices that put you in that same situation. Yeah, but or, or even on top, like, the little thing that I guarantee you, you got my cousin against me, and she has the cops, you know, on her side, no, no matter what the fuck I do or say, you know, and I've been fighting the courts and the police my whole life, and I'm tired of it, like, so honestly, I feel like shooting one of them right now. Okay, well, don't do that. Um, first of all, Brad, the police are in the area looking for you because they want to talk to you, too. They don't want you to be dead on the pavement. This is the second time I've, I've um, attempted to commit suicide, and honestly, I think this is going to be the final time. Okay, well, please, please don't. The police are asking if you'll tell me what you're wearing so they can find you and help you. Please I'm wearing a red backpack and a hoodie. What color? And black with red on the front. Do you have any guns on you since you mentioned shooting? Uh, shooting? Possibly. I'm just telling them what you said. I'd actually prefer for a police officer to shoot me at this point. I, I'm not looking forward to it. But how, 
I like the fact that, and I don't mean to make a lot situation, but whenever he first called and, and she picked up, he was at this point where he was like Jenny and Forrest Gump on the balcony. Yeah. The wind's blowing his hair. He's hanging on. He's like ready to jump. Yeah. But by this point in my head, I picture him like he's on like one elbow. He's laying on the ground. He's on an elbow. He's like looking down at the ground. He's got a gravel. He's like rubbing the ground with a rock. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's bullshit. You know, like, yeah. She's talked him down off the ledge already. And now he's just having a normal conversation. He's like, yeah, right? This is bullshit. He's just talking to her. He's got that piece of gravel. He's just making the white lines on the ground. Yep. Listening and, you know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Somehow she, she's exactly what he needs right now. She's wearing kill build, like disarmed him. Like, (laughs) and (laughs) he's totally okay with it. (laughs) Leaning up against the, the, the wall that he was just standing on, just talking on the phone, you know, rubbing that gravel on the ground. Oh man, like she left me, you know, it's just. I'm 21, so I'm a, I've pretty much been through everything and gone through everything. Life is over. Yeah. You know, I'm 35, and I'm still stupid. But I was, like, really stupid at 21. There's um, there's something about, you know, I don't know. I guess it's in the news. You know, it, it always seems to be sort of in the news at some point. But uh, the, the headline, the banner for this kid at 21 and nowadays— 21 is the new 16, uh, you know, 28 yeah. is the new 18. They're ne- they're not growing up like they used to. I blame myself as a parent, you know, our, our yeah. boomer f- parents and something, you know, they're just not. I mean, in the 50s at 21, you'd already killed uh, yeah. 16 people and had a farm, <laughs> exactly. nine kids. Yeah. And you know how to weld. <laughs> at 21, a- a- and I-, I can't recall if he said it yet, but. I think he did. Um, she asked him, is your girlfriend older than you or younger than you? If not, it's coming up. And he says younger. And uh, it just made me think instantly. It was like adults acting like children and children acting like adults. You know, th- these kids, these, these are kids. And and he says in that call, he says this was a planned pregnancy. So they were like, you know, more than just offhand girlfriend and boyfriend. They, according to him, made this decision to have a kid together, the math wasn't adding up after that. And then it happens. You, you you have to know people like this. We all do, where everybody gets hurt in a relationship and then everybody starts acting like a child. Do you have a divorce decree from a judge with your divorce? What does that mean? Like, did you get a divorce? Yes. Did did you get like a thing at the end that like finalizes the divorce? It comes in the mail. It's like notarized. Yeah, because in the state of North Carolina, you have to be legally separated for one year before you can be legally divorced. Oh wow! Really? Wow! Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. So mine mine took you know a handful of months. Uh, you know, went through the courts, got a divorce decree, and and part of part of the process of getting a divorce in my state is they make you go to a parenting class where it's, it's like beat getting beat with a sock full of quarters. Cause I already felt like I was a good dad and I had Sam 2.0 at the time. He was six and, and my ex-wife, she's a great mom. And so it felt, it felt insulting that we had to go to this, but it's interesting sitting in this court room 
uh, doing this parenting class with a bunch of other exes that are sitting there like either with each other or on different benches. Yeah. And they're asking questions to the person that's facilitating the meeting, but it's like a barbed question that they're aiming at their ex that's sitting two two rows behind or you know it's it's about alimony or or the way that they the way that they keep using the kids as a you know as a, a conduit for their weaponized communication um i just remember in my divorce decree that it, it stated very clearly that using your children uh as a weapon either through withholding or through through poor communication or to use your child to translate messages from you to your ex is a violation of the divorce decree. And I, I took that seriously and I looked around. I was like, oh my gosh, we are the minority here that we're, we're actually doing this civilly, me and my ex-wife. Yeah. Um, and in this case, you know, that's, that's, children acting like adults like in this case a 21 year old and some sub 21 year old girl had a baby and now they're not together anymore she sounds like she's acting emotionally on facebook she seems like she has the upper hand in a lot of cases and he can't even see her posts he's got to look at her facebook post through his friend you know so he's completely shut out uh you know obviously everything seems to be embroiled legally uh, it just is so it's so un, it's so hard to watch somebody go through that knowing that everybody's hurting in the situation you know that was one thing i was so thankful for with my divorce my ex-wife's name is bridget and uh she was awesome she still is awesome and you know before we were even going into court to uh to finalize it and everything we were me and her were sitting out on the bench joking it up having a good time laughing um i'd still do anything for her to this day and i know she would if i needed her like uh, we had probably the most cordial, like friendly divorce ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, kids complicate things. Yes. Badly. So we didn't have any kids. Thank God. Um, I'm sure it would have maybe got a little, but even with knowing how she is and how I am, I don't even think it would have got ugly then. But I mean, to this day, if I ran it, she lives in Ohio, but if I ran into her, we would, I would be happy to see her and I think she'd be happy to see me and we would catch up and then say goodbye. Like, I'm just so thankful that I didn't have a gross, nasty divorce and split up and all that. We were friends all the way to the end and through it up to this day. So it's also rare to be the new partner of an ex and not uh, not hate the ex because yeah. all that. I wish nothing but the best for her. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and, and I don't know how your your current wife processes your ex but she's great with it this is how awesome my wife is the one that i'm gonna die with (laughs) um i went to a get together i don't know maybe two years ago or something and my ex-wife was gonna be there and there was drinking and everything and she didn't care at all Mm -hmm. like i think everybody that i it seems like i'm just now realizing this as we're talking but i feel like i just kind of uh by nature subconsciously surround myself with mature responsible people that can hand that are emotionally well equipped emotionally well yeah 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 and i i i feel just very blessed in my situation because i don't deserve for my situation to be as good as it is but i reflect you know dropped my son off uh today and you know i'm talking to her husband and he's a cop he's a 
brilliant guy, beautiful man, by the way. And, you know, she definitely upgraded. Um, but it's just, it's so nice to, to have that. But to know that I'm surrounded by so many other people that I'm watching their lives literally unfold or fall apart because the pain that these exes are feeling, it, they, they can't help but try to take it out on their ex. And oh, so many times they use their children in the middle of it, you know. And so it's interesting on this call to listen to this guy that the, he breaks when he starts talking about his child. Finally, you know, there, there is some wild gravity that even as a 21-year-old who's mixed up in the court system, who's, you know, like he said, lived a life of crime, something about having a little tiny person in your life just rewires you. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and she's trying to play that like a fiddle. You know, she's, she's in this case, she's trying to to use that to say, hey, you know, stay. Yeah, she is fiddle. What's the devil went out of Georgia? What was his name? Uh, um, oh, the the singer. You know, I was I, I was gonna try to think of that guy's name, and then I was gonna try to make a joke that wasn't even gonna pay off that well, even if we'd done the research, figured out the guy's name. So let's just play the call, shall we? Let's play the call. Let's see how many have I played so far. Uh, enough. <laughs> I think I played four. Just do it already. All right, this is the final one. Go ahead and jump. God, <laughs> this is the longest. <laughs> This is, okay, this is the final countdown. Da -da -da -da. Here we go. Na -na -na -na. <laughs> Na -na 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 -na. Where does she live now? Does she live close to where you are? I mean, if we needed to, could we could we help them down? She lives in Gresham. I was just on their roof, spying on them. I was trying to see my son, but the dog kept barking, so I had to leave. All I wanted to do was get a visual with my son. Well, I would say this is not the way to make it stop. 
All right, the police officer found me finally. Okay, would you do me a big, huge favor? Please, 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 don't do anything rash. Don't make him hurt you. Put your hands up and go talk to him and let them help you. Let them get you to a counselor or whatever. Uh, I'm cool with that. Okay, please. No, I'm not leaving with these officers. I'm, I'm definitely not going to leave with these officers. I'm done going to that jailhouse. I'm done being treated like a rag doll. Tonight, um, tonight, this is what you're done with me. It's not a crime. Um, the, the, these cops are not going to be able to reach me because I, I was like a monkey and got to where I'm at. And, uh, they're, they're um, yeah, not going to get to me. Okay, well, really, in this instance, they want the same thing for you I want. They want, they want they to see you jump. They want to see me jump. They're going to kick out of it. I don't know. They would. Nobody wants to see you jump. Have you ever seen a jumper? I have. It's horrid. It's awful. Ugly. I've never, I've never seen one, but I, I imagine it's going to be a quick, painful death. <sighs> You know, and this is how bad of a person I am. I seen a guy come off of an ATM, and I walked up to him with my knife and said, give me the money, and he handed it to me. And uh, a police officer drove past like two seconds after where he could have stopped it, but he, he didn't notice. And the guy didn't shout out for help, luckily. And the first homeless person I seen, I gave all the money to. So you didn't even keep the money? No, I gave it away. Can I ask why you took the money? If you weren't going to keep it? Um, I was walking to go up to the top of the building and see the homeless guys laying there on the road. And I felt for him, you know, he took him probably kicked him out. Okay. And so then when you saw the opportunity, you took the money and went back to him? Yeah. I'm just sorry for it, but, you know, I, I don't know what overcame me, but I felt it was right. And that's the problem with me. I feel things are right, and I do it, and I, I do most time the mistakes. Well, it sounds to me like you need to talk to a counselor to help you sort out good choices from bad, perhaps. You know, I, you can make sure I'm talking to people. I'm trying to get help. I wanted to clean and go and, and, and sit down with the mediator or whatever and try to make things work. You know, I was going to sign up for anger management classes or whatever it took. Yeah. But when she found out that I was trying to make an effort, she just made it more of an effort to keep my son from me and to stay farther away. Well, here's something else for you to consider. If you go ahead and do the things like go to anger management with or without her, and you can show a judge that you are making these efforts because you want to be the father of the, of the boy, then to... I, I already know that I've already done fucked up just by coming up here and calling you. I'm not going to be able to see my son after this. You, you really think they're going to let somebody so mentally unstable see this son after something like this? Right this minute, no. But what I'm saying is you can still get help and straighten yourself out and then it'll be obvious from the things that you've done to a judge who's going to make the decision that you're making an effort to straighten yourself out. I've already tried that. I've already tried that. It's weird. I don't believe me. It's my record. I'm telling you. 
But if that dream is going over the line, no matter what, that's probably part of it. But what I'm saying is you got you got to make an effort over time and watch, you know, so up to now you've made bad choices and that's what they're looking at. From now forward, you make good choices so they can look at that. You know, honestly, I really do appreciate your, your, your high talking. It's, it's kind of making me feel better, but honestly, I, I've already fucked up by coming up here and doing what I've done. I've already fucked up. Okay. Don't make it worse by hurting yourself. Well, I'm not going to hurt myself. I'm going to provoke the police to do it, or I'm going to jump off after that doesn't work. Where's the knife you used earlier? In my pocket. Ah. If they shoot me, I'm not, I'm, I'm far enough from the edge to fall. I'd appreciate if you just go give up to the police. I know you would, and I would almost appreciate it too, but the thing is, is I know where they're going to take me, and I know what they're going to do to me. And it's not going to make my girlfriend love me this soon. Well, it sounds to me she's this busy messing with you that maybe she's not very nice and you're better off without her. But, you know, that's not my decision. That's your decision. Well, I, don't I, I probably am better off without her. That's what her dad says. Well, I, I love her. Well, yeah, and I know how you feel is how you feel. There's nothing you can do about that. I get that. I do. And you're kind of tied to her for life anyway because she is the mother of your child. Yeah, and she doesn't realize that, man. You know, well, we, we wanted to be a family. We, we agreed to each other that we were going to, no matter what, stick together. You know, one little fucking argument, she just bails out. And then already with somebody else. Like, come on, dude. The fact of me knowing that my girlfriend's something with somebody else is going to kill the other person. Yeah. And then if I'm here, but I feel that I'm just going to kill myself and not let off the deal with it no more. Well, but those aren't your only options. You're talking like that's so your only option that somebody has to die. The police are trying to talk to me. I'll let you go. Okay. Well, I certainly wasn't expecting a gritty modern rendition of Robin Hood. <laughs> right? That was that was different. Yeah, that that he had committed that crime by knife point at the ATM and then walked it walked down and handed it to the homeless guy. This is like if yeah, this is like if the guy that did the dark knot yeah. directed Robin Hood. That's what this that's what this is. Got a problem with with law. Got a This is Robin Hood. Robin Hood's about to This is Robin Hood if he killed himself at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. What what I thought was interesting was it just kind of goes tell uh, speaks to his frame of mind like I think in life like what he was saying I always I always think of something that I think I'm doing that's good and then it ends up being bad like the way he processed that was the reason he did the knife point robbery he saw a homeless man and was like that guy needs money so he goes and robs somebody I don't believe I don't I, I, I wonder the, don't believe him. I don't yeah, believe that. I wonder. I think that does happen often, maybe, where the victim is so victim that they try to come off as a hero sometimes. And so, yeah, I, this I, is. Yeah, and that's not proven. We don't know that for sure that that, that actually took place. But, um, all right. <clears throat> you ready for this? Here, I don't know. Here's I don't the, know what it is. Here's the backstory on, or the front story after the back part of this phone call ends. She kept him on the phone for 23 minutes which was amazing in my opinion. But after hanging up with the dispatcher, 
Brad Morgan, age 21, began speaking with the officers that had approached across the roof level of the parking garage. They had taken position behind a wall that separated them from Brad, who was still standing precariously on the edge of that multi-story parking structure that he was standing on. Then, when Brad was seen reaching into his waistband, the sergeant, the, the officers moved closer to try to uh, to um, communicate with him better because they were having to yell, and that wasn't good. Um, at three fifty one a.m. Now remember, this took the, the call starts at three seventeen. Three fifty one a.m. Officer Scott recognizes that his efforts to talk to Morgan had pretty much reached an impasse and he asked his sergeant to call a more experienced uh, negotiation team in. The team sergeant was paged, but when he tried to call back, he couldn't get through. And I'm I'm thinking that it was probably part of the 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 uh, the parking structure. Those things are just giant cement blocks yeah. for stories. So it's probably bogging down the radio communication. Up, I swear to God, if this ends in him dying, I'm going to be livid. The officers on the rooftop of the downtown garage had moved closer to Morgan to establish a more personal face-to-face communication immediately instead of waiting for what could have been 30 to 40 minutes for the hostage negotiators to respond at that hour in the morning. Uh, Sergeant had Officer Scott, who stands six foot eight, start talking with Brad Morgan because he's tall, amicable, and his voice would carry best. Officer Scott... Uh, asked to move closer when he couldn't hear Morgan's responses and the sergeant said he could. Uh, when talking with someone who is suicidal, quote, you don't want to yell at somebody, you want to talk low and slow, they said. So Holbrook and Scott moved behind a 42-inch tall concrete wall below the elevated platform where Morgan was standing. The sergeants, quote, considered the risk that Morgan was possibly armed, but based on uh, based upon Mr. Morgan's demeanor, I would also add the conversation he was having with the dispatcher, that risk seemed acceptable in this situation. Um, Brad was calm enough to be drinking from a can. I, honestly, the picture you painted with him swirling with the 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 rock and you know on one elbow and everything i really think that's the case here uh he was drinking from a can he wasn't yelling he seemed relaxed um scott got morgan to talk about his son and tried to urge him to recognize that his son needed him around but the conversation soon deteriorated with morgan asking how fast the officers could draw their guns and what they do if he pulled out a gun At 4.01 a.m., Officer Holbrook radioed that shots were fired. He had fired two shots, then dropped to one knee and fired a third. Officer Scott simultaneously tried to fire his handgun, but it malfunctioned. He fixed it, noticed the flash from the sergeant's shots, and fired one round. Police couldn't tell which rounds killed Morgan. Deputy State Medical Examiner Dr. Larry Lumen found Morgan died from a single gunshot wound to the head. The bullet entered the right side of his forehead and struck his brain stem, forcing him to collapse instantly. The manner of death was ruled a suicide. So you got a happy ending? <sighs> I do. I I can't even look at you right now. I'm so angry Ugh. that we just went through 
Mm, I, I've got some words to say to you after we. <laughs> How this one was real. Like I was so enamored with the dispatcher and everything. I, I literally listened to this 23 minute call several times. And I was like, this is amazing. This, this is, this is, you know, this is going to be an amazing episode because of her work and everything. And then I went and found the the news on how this washed out. Um, the officers were found not guilty. Um, and then his, uh, Brad's father filed a civil suit against the, the police department and the city for, um, negligence and um i'm so upset with you right now <laughs> i know that's this is it makes you wonder how many times you know this kind of thing happens where this drama plays out so long could you imagine being a negotiator and feeling like you're making progress and feeling like you know something that goes on for an hour or hours and then and then something something reminds the the the, the person the, of what they're doing. In this case, I think what really happened was the dispatcher was making headway. I think this guy had so many adverse uh, experiences with police that their presence was playing against her efforts that she had established. I think in this situation, as a police officer, you, uh, I like to think that you would you 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 say, hey man, look, I'm gonna put this gun down. The gun is off. You take your badge off. You drop your vest. You drop your belt. You untuck your shirt. Yeah. And then you approach him, not as a police officer, but as another human talking to another human being. Yep. Um the the challenge that they were having and and what played out in court and was actually a uh, point of contention in the exoneration of the police officers and then in the wrongful death lawsuit that his father brought to the tune of three million dollars was that this was a wrongful death because they didn't wait for the negotiators to show up, that they pressed the scene by getting too close. Uh, and then the, the flip side, the defense of that was that they had to try to stay out of harm's way because they knew he was armed. Um, and but did they? Yeah, good question. I mean, uh, they, they make the argument... If, if I've already heard, okay... And it's a lot. It's it's really easy, by the way, for us to go. Well, if I was a cop in this situation, yeah. and and I hear that, and that's fair, right. and I agree. Right. But if I get the information, yeah, he robbed somebody at knife point. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to assume they don't have a gun. Well, okay. So he told because the dispatcher if you have that he a did. gun and a knife. What you're going to use is the gun. Yeah, and he he told the dispatcher that he did. He he. He might have a weapon. Yeah, but he said a lot of shit. Yeah, he did. And then he actually pulled a gun. He did have a gun. And he waved it at the he waved it at the police officers. And then that's when the shots were fired. Uh turns out it was a realistic looking toy gun. Yeah. But still from 30, 40 feet behind a wall, when you see that, you know, 
I, it really, he, 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 was, I, don't, I don't think anybody is at fault. No. Here. No. Um, there was a breakdown in communication. I mean, th- th- we heard that there was radio miscommunication, that the radios were breaking out, breaking up, um, that the communication to the negotiators was even going to be stalled. So I think they were doing the best that they could. Um, and the argument goes kind of both ways. They were like, they were pressing this guy too close. They were too close and everything. But at the same time, he had hung up with the dispatcher. So what were they supposed to do? Just leave him out there to his own thoughts, you know? So it's it's a weird one. Join us next episode. Join us. On 911 calls. Well, I'm not doing well now. So <laughs> if that's what you were. I have a happy ending. I felt pretty good at the beginning of this. And now, <laughs> now you don't. I want to kill myself. Yeah. So. Uh, well, I've got one that'll. Uh, I've got a happy ending that I, I was like, should, where should we go? Should we go heartwarming? Should we go ridiculous? Should we go silly? So I went with, uh, obviously, 911 calls, uh, complaints about chicken always seem to be the answer, the antidote for for suicide by cops. So that's what I have for you here. Are you excited, <laughs> excited no, to hear it? I'm not excited about anything. <laughs> right now all right well on that note i've got to go up and talk to my kids <laughs> Me too. after we get done i can't wait i'm gonna go hug my family after this oh it's like a goodbye <laughs> i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine uh anyway let's do this happy ending for everybody to cleanse their yeah let's do the happy ending okay. go ahead here here we go Saturday, may 1st 2010 the time nine 31 p.m. Northport Emergency. Hello, Northport Emergency. It's not an emergency, ma'am. I, I don't I know you guys have more problems with this ridiculous thing that I'm calling you about. I just ordered food, which is totally ridiculous. You could get in McDonald's for $2 what I ordered a kid's deal. And I purchased... This is, I, 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 I'm sorry, I, I, I'm filing a complaint. It is Jet, please be quiet, Jet Pizza in Northport. We just want our money back. They're located, okay, located are you, at. Are you at Jet's now? No, I'm at home. Okay, what's your home address? I'm sorry. Okay, and what's wrong with it? What's wrong with it? Yes. Oh, we see uh, the officer comes and sees it. Did you tr- did you try to contact Jeff already? Yes, I did, and they called me. A, excuse, excuse my language. They called me and hung up on me. I'm not uh, putting out thirteen dollars for this. No way. And then I tipped the guy fifteen dollars. No way. This is. Yeah, I'm going to trust charges for him calling me a C. And your last name? And your first name? And the phone number that you called from? Uh, which is my cell. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll send the officer to come and speak with you. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi, Pia. Okay. <laughs> kind of feel like this lady's a swear. <laughs> 
I so want to not beep that word, but I probably will. But I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, I can see your haircut. It's <laughs> it slopes downward. Oh gosh! It's the high part cut in the back, right? And it slowly gets longer as it goes towards the front. The John and Kate plus eight. This is fan. This is a great way to top. Very important services. Yeah, for people that are in car wrecks. That are standing at the top of parking garages. Right. One of the, you fucking idiot. Uh, and you can't bleep that one. I won't. I will probably, but I won't. But I will. But I won't. Um, you know, at least at the beginning of the call, she prefaced it with knowing it wasn't an emergency. That you know? doesn't. It's like, though, okay. It's like, that doesn't mean, it's like when Ricky Bobby in Talladega Nights is like, with all due respect, sir, that ain't worth a velvet painting of a dolphin and a hippo getting it on. He's like, you can't just, just because you say all with all due respect in the front of it, Ricky, it doesn't mean you can say whatever you want. That's true. It's true. And uh, yeah, so, um, okay, so this is interesting because what ended up happening was she gave her home address and uh, she was not only misusing 911, but she was found in her car with the engine running when the police arrived at her house. And she was arrested. the cops killed her. <laughs> One shot to the dome. <laughs> now, she was arrested. Good. For misusing an emergency communication and for a DUI. <laughs> Good. <laughs> because she was, she told them that she was about to leave to go back to the pizza place because she thought that would be a better place to meet them. Yet she had already given them that this whole thing was a total, total poop show. What was wrong with the pizza? I don't even know. Something, something about. I, Did it not have the buffalo sauce on it? <laughs> if if so, I can relate. I would be very mad. But what I don't yeah, understand. When you were losing your mind in Baraboo, I was watching your hair grow <laughs> into longer in the front. <laughs> But the hair in the back stayed the same length. Yeah. But in the front, your bangs started getting longer. <laughs> oh yeah, I have a I have a tendency to, to pull. We it. had to stop you from calling the cops. <laughs> I blacked out during that whole time. It was a very dim memory. You know, me and Jack have since talked about that, and we decided that the reason you lost your mind is because you were so stressed out. <laughs> you were in a situation that you had no control over, and it was like that was the one thing he had control over was what was on the pizza. And whenever it got there and you you didn't get what you had ordered, your whole world like crumbled. <laughs> like it was the so you just went full blown like Rain Man, Dustin Hoffman, autistic. Like that's not where I buy my underwear. That's not where I buy my. I guess I was on the tail end of like what eighteen hour drive, a twenty hour drive with two guys that you never had met in person that you were also nervous to be around. Uh, I just wanted to because that was one thing you made very clear before we met was that you were nervous to be sleeping with me and Jack. Uh, it's a very dim memory. I don't. And really we didn't recall. bring any poopery. That really threw you for a loop. I was way out of my element. <laughs> I made you drink non-alcoholic beer. You were just melt. Your whole world was crumbling. And then the pizza was like the straw that broke. It was like the one thing you had. <laughs> You're far from home. Oh, it was bad. It was bad news. It was good, though. It was a good experience that I went through with you guys. Oh, now I have asthma. Um, Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. Uh, and that was me checking the box and just going through the 
<laughs> Thank you. Okay, here's a quiz. Though. I don't mean it. <laughs> here's a quiz question. Do you remember the number for suicide hotline? Number or chat, phone chat? 988. 988. That's right. And there's always somebody on the other end of that. Well, all right. Uh, I don't know. Worst if- episode we've ever recorded. <laughs> Uh, I might agree with you. It is 625. <laughs> we started at 2 o'clock. I've been down here four hours. <laughs> you son of a bitch. That guy killed himself. He did. He did. He did. Ah, oh, wow. Yeah, I feel like we all learned something here today. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> on that note, hugs everybody. Fuck you. <laughs>